With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This team is one of the best teams ever, man. Been here since freshman year. Yeah, I thought my senior year was going to be one of the best seniors ever. Because, I don't know, this team made me go OCC's first team of all state. 24 goals in a season, 10 assists. This teammate did it for me. Not, yeah, I did it for them. Oh my gosh, it feels amazing. You know, it feels even better too because we've had a lot of obstacles and challenges throughout this season. I feel like we've all come together as a group and we worked hard this entire season. Even we lost them three times in the regular season, but that didn't matter because, you know, we came in and we came out on top and won the championship and we, we came through so much adversity. Hello, and welcome to the final Just for Kicks podcast of the fall season. I am Scott Erickson, the boys soccer writer for Game Time CT, and we are joined, as always, by the man by the fireplace, Joe Morelli, the girls soccer writer. Joe, good morning. You can tell it's a fireplace? Well, I don't know. We never use like a, a random brick half No, wall. it is. And, and you know what? We made it through. We made so, it through here. Yeah. The fall season was complete, uh, at least for most schools. Uh, a few <laughs> conferences yeah. and a few games didn't get played at the end. Uh, and that's the way it was this year. Uh, but we crowned a ton of champions. If we thought that four state finalists, was, four state champions was a lot, we had like 30 champions this year. <laughs> Every conference pumping out like four or five, um, other than like the Shoreline and Berkshire that actually had a real tournament this year. Um, and what a great story on the shoreline, by the way, with the HK boys coming through and winning that game, huh? Yeah, well, it's funny. I actually, you know, part of the, the storyline behind everything was um, Steve Waters going for the record win. Right. Um, he tied John Bonstrand from EO Smith with uh, whatever it was, 655. I don't even remember the number off the top of my head. But anyway, you go up there and East Hampton beats him in overtime, of course. Uh right. On a, on a day when all the finals are being played, you kind of you feel like you have to be there because it's if he sets the record, we're game time CT, we should be there. Sure. Uh, but they didn't set it. And obviously, it was a great win by East Hampton, who then hosts and hosts on Monday. And HK as the sixth seed beats them. Interesting thing, obviously, with the Shoreline Conference. And we never leave with the Shoreline, so kudos to us for leading with them. Uh, but like you said, it was a full conference. The HK girls repeat. Uh, handing Old Lyme their first loss. Um, and as the Old Lyme coach uh, said, um, I, I think people were just happy to get through yeah. healthy. And um, I mean, HK, obviously, they wanted to win. They go on Old Lyme and win. And obviously, Old Lyme is the however many times state champion. They won the league a million times. Um, HK was able to win three to two. It was actually a really good game. Uh, last Monday, and um, yeah, it's good. kudos to both HK boys and girls winning in the same conference, and they're actually winning a conference title, not a division title. Yeah, I think, you know, if this was a normal year, this would have been a much bigger deal, um, 
Correct. Especially on the boys' side. On the boys' side, it was really a surprise. Uh, and they, they had a freshman, Cole Merriam, score the only goal to beat East Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that would have been shocking that they beat those teams that because there's some pretty good teams coming out of there. Uh, and then to win boys and girls in the same year, that doesn't happen a lot in conference uh, soccer, you know, where your boys team and your girls team both win the conference championship. So great job by Adam Killingworth. You know, we never talk about the shoreline or we rarely talk about it, but. Um, but- uh, I will say this, the boys team, I see, you know, I saw him win a co-champ, share a championship with Morgan. I saw him lose to Morgan uh, once in the finals of action in the finals held at Morgan's field. So they've had some success in yeah. the past, probably in the last four or five years. HK again for them to repeat. Yeah, it is. I mean, HK's got some traditional soccer. So but they weren't great last year. I mean, I forget what the record was. But they oh, they were bad. Great. You're right. They were. They were not. Yet yeah, last year was not the year. I think it was two years ago they lost, and three years ago they shared it. So, uh, and they had an awful year, and they bounced back, like you said. And uh, as a sixth seed, and you're basically winning everything on the road because it's everything's at home sites. And as for the girls, they were the three C. They go on the road to win two games. So semis and finals. So like I said, but at least they they whereas they would go into the state tournament and see what I mean, obviously class M, I assume, or class S, they may not win. They end on a high note, which a lot of teams got to do this year uh, that got through and win. They got to end on a high note. Whereas you don't have that many. You have what, four in each sport? Now you have four. Seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Four teams in each, and boys and girls win their last game. Everyone else loses their last game. Uh, this year, we had way more teams win their last game, uh, just by the nature of things. Uh, you know, so we opened the show talking about the Shoreline of Conference. We don't talk about a lot. Obviously, we do talk about the SEC a lot. We do talk right. about hand a lot. This hand team, uh, not just with the story, but with Wallach, with Port, with everyone else they had on there, who are going for another state championship. It's one of the best senior classes we've seen, one of the best teams we've seen. In, in your time there, obviously you can't go back to before you were there, but in your time there, have you seen a team that well put together and that good on the high school level? Um, hmm. Tough. I know it's tough because we see a lot. It's so hard. It's, hard, it's, it's hard exactly. I didn't always do soccer and I did a lot more girls sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, the hand teams back in the 90s, the hand teams won a final, lost in a final. Guilford boys and i think 97 was ranked number one in the nation along with the trumbull girls we mentioned on the podcast end up losing in a final i think one nothing and that was i mean that's so it's hard to put it in that category i what i will say for this group i think their offensive firepower of the five was by far the best yeah because i've seen these teams these teams recently even teams that lost and these five, these three guys up front were second to none. Um, I think they would probably they would have scored on anybody. Would they have beaten everybody? That's the thing we're always going to wonder. We don't know. Could they have beaten Willem again? Could they have lost? I mean, because their defense was okay, wasn't great. And Guilford obviously was able to score on them in the game I covered. There was one one, and Guilford was not vintage Guilford this year. And they were able to. I mean, the, the goalkeeper was able to stop uh, Pistori's pe- penalty kick in that game. And, in fact, it was the only time in his high school career that he didn't score in a PK. So to answer your question, I think that it's right, this team is right up there. And I think this team was the best team in our area by far. I just don't know where they would have stacked up across the state. Could they have beaten anybody? Sure. 
but you know this game. So yeah, it's going to be really hard to judge because of the division they played in and it could be because you were not able to play any – you played Xavier and you played Guilford. Um, I, I, and they beat Cheshire. So, I mean, thanks to thanks to the commissioners, Kyle Carbone was able to move some games around outside of the regions within a still a safe traveling distance to have it. So, again, the answer to your question, they're right there. I can't say they're the best, but the test story is as good as I've seen. And yeah. Walk's right there with him. I mean, Walk, I mean, Testoy doesn't get what he gets done without Walk. So, I mean, the, the two of them would have been great. Right. And that's the key to that team, I think. It's like you can have a really good player like Testoy, but if he's alone out there, they're going to double mark him. They're going to do things to shut him down. Correct. But you couldn't do that against Han because, like you said, Wallach was really good. Port was really good. They had like three other kids that were really good players who could pick up the slack. That's what made them such an amazing team. Of course, they would have been challenged, you know, probably from the quarterfinals on with, you know, teams like Wilton, Weathersfield, who played really well this year. And again, we'll never know what those teams really were either. Like the CCC had all their good teams split up on the boys' side, like Farmington, Glastonbury Hall, Weathersfield. Those teams didn't really play each other that much. Right. Uh, so it's hard to see. Like when, you, when we looked at those final polls, they didn't do a final poll, but the last poll that came out, there's like four or five undefeated teams. Who knows how good they would have been? Like when we talk about, hand though we do need to also talk about hall because hall was coming off the state championship mm -hmm. and had two amazing strikers back in evan jones and drew segura both you know all state caliber kids and it was kind of the same thing it was like you couldn't stop one of them so they were so dangerous the two of them they had a solid midfield solid defense i would have loved to have seen them play glastonbury farmington and all those teams this year uh, it just didn't happen. So, you know, we have a team that, again, could have been historic, could have went back-to-back -back double L's, but you never know. And getting to that double L tournament is such a brutal situation anyway. And you dominate uh, and you could lose. But uh, getting back to Tistori, uh, he announced on his Instagram account on Friday that he had committed verbally Thursday night to UConn. It's a program that he's wanted to go to, the program that was interested in him for, along the way. Again, we're in a dead period, so they really couldn't see a lot of them. It was all through video. Um, but obviously, as I wrote about on Friday, the story is interested in what the school has to offer. His sisters went there, have a new stadium, have a, a renowned program back in the Big East. Um, and it's good to have the state's best player be in the, the top team in the state. And he obviously, as uh, Greg Cumstone, the head coach for hand, pointed out, they want to grab the international players, but you want to keep the kids home as well in their backyard and when you have a kid of that caliber you want to keep them here and he wanted to go i mean the next sack was interested he said also villanova i think that, i mean he was a division one talent i mean nothing against division three schools i mean obviously he's smart enough to have gone there and play there I, i'm i'm very glad he's going to uconn i hope it works out for the kid yeah and what i found was when we were looking you know there's a lot of kids who have committed to colleges um but not many that have signed so you know that dead period really hurt soccer a lot uh, the coaches I talked to said, you know, they think a lot of kids will start signing in January. Um, a lot of seniors this year, where they're going to go next year. We had a bunch of undecided kids um, when we were looking at the All-State team. Like, they just didn't know where they were going yet because it's such a strange thing with the, with the NCAA dead period, which has now been extended too, right? Yeah, I believe so. And, and you mentioned the All-State teams, and we're going to have them out. It's, it's hard to pick these because going back to all these different division champions a lot more people have arguments yeah to be on a team to not be on a team and you just i mean it's like the all-state teams they're gonna grow and you just do the best 
can. We're picking 12 first team, 12 second team, and we do an honorable mention this year and just do the best we can. But yeah, like you said, um, the, yeah, it's been extended, and I think kids are – again, how many spots are available for these kids too because right. of what's been going on. Well, and then you don't know if the NCAA is going to reclassify, let seniors reclassify and come back and play another year. Right. So that's a question too. Like when you're look, going and looking at schools, it's like, well, are the seniors going to be moving out? Is there going to be spots in the roster for me? Like it's a very difficult time for kids who are looking to play any sport in college. Um, the fall sports really, really got affected this year. Yeah. But anyway, right. in the SEC, you mentioned um, the story, uh, obviously um, West Haven boys won their division. Yeah. Uh, um, and Aldo Baragas won their division, and obviously Hand, and then the girls Shelton. I mean, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Shelton, Guilford in overtime over Brantford, and it was. Why well, am I drawing a blank? <laughs> oh, mercy! Because, because there was mercy teams. over Chester. <laughs> it was actually a really good game. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to keep it all straight. I mean, like. Normally, you know, like, okay, these teams played in the in the L final. You know the teams played right, in the right. rounds. You know the teams that won every conference. But I don't even know all the teams that won championships, quote-unquote championships this oh, year. Oh, no, I have no idea. I have to look it up myself. So Yeah, I mean, there's just – there's no way to really know. Uh, I mean, there is a way to know. I mean, we can look. But, like, off the top of your head, it's very hard. Like, this stuff usually comes to us pretty easily every year. You know, like, you're, you're just so into it. And this year was so weird. But, again, getting the season over – and completed is absolutely fantastic. Um, and now obviously we're gonna be in a holding pattern for fall and whatever that shoulder season they wanted to have. And I, I mean, now we're getting back into another weird period, aren't we? Yeah, well, as, uh, I mean, obviously today, November 23rd, they're shutting down all the other youth sports and travel to, 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 to align with January 19th. Um, so a lot of people, in K through 12 are, are going to be sitting home and maybe do something in cohorts, small, small cohorts. You know, I, I, with numbers going up, I can't say I disagree with it because I just, no, no, it's the right. I, thing. I, I think it's probably the right decision. I don't like it as a guy who likes to cover basketball, but you know, I just hope they can start the 19th. I well, mean, look, I mean, vaccine, we, we can sit and talk and we're not scientists. So I, I don't know. <laughs> just in case you're wondering, Joe and I are not scientists. You know, it's it's very hard to judge. But like I said, I sat here a million times. I didn't think we get through the fall. So I'm hopeful that we have something in the winter. But, you know, these kids yeah. got to have something in this fall. I, I'm really happy for that. And, and obviously we're here to talk about soccer, but we're not going to have the basketball podcast at least until January. So I think that January 19th makes sense. Like people are going to get together over the holidays as much as you ask them not to, as much as you want them not to Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, whatever, like people are going to be getting together. So then you make it January 19th, you give yourself a two week plus buffer from the new year. And I think that's the best chance that they have to get something going. Will we be okay by then? I don't know. Like the numbers are not great. Like, they canceled it for less in the spring, essentially. Well, the, other thing too, the other thing, too, Glenn Green, the ex executive director of the CIC, he's been, he's been consistent in what he said. If schools are going to be in distance learning, they can't have sports. And their survey basically said more than 50% of the schools 
would either not have game would not have games or as most would not practice of that. I mean, is, is half enough to keep it going? I, I don't know. In really this case. And the governor would have shut it down anyway. So, I mean, they made the decision that the governor was going to make for them just a few days earlier. Yeah. And then what I liked about it was they made it early. They said, look, we're doing this. We're shutting this down until here. We're not saying your season's canceled, but let's see where we are after this. Because I think getting the teams together now would have, would have been a mistake. They would have had to disband. And we have a lot of schools that are gone remote learning. And the only ones, the only time you can play is if you're remote learning is not if there was a COVID outbreak, but if like, like Danbury has been remote learning, but they've been able to play because they were simply remote learning because there's too many kids in the school. They couldn't get down to the numbers they needed to get down to, even with cohorts. So they had to go full remote, but they were allowed to keep finishing their fall season. Um, or if you have staffing issues too, like if you don't have enough staff, to come in, I think they allow them to keep playing from what I understand. But if you have any sort of COVID outbreak at your school, you're you're done. And like you said, that was almost half the team. So that would have been a mess. Like, cause you can't allow teams to, half the teams to practice, half the teams not, you know, get them ready for the season. And man, I mean, I'll miss holiday tournaments and all that stuff, but let, let's just hope that in January we're, we're raring and ready to go. And then what, what I think everyone really wants is the spring. Like, those kids didn't play last year at all. And I think that is the number one focus of, of most athletic directors is making sure that that spring season gets in, which is obviously a million years away, it feels like. Well, yeah, that's that's the key. And that's going to be, what, May and June? So we're, once things do return, and they will, I think it's going to be – everybody's going to be very busy because it's going to go overlap. Again, seasons are going to overlap. Winter's going to overlap into the alternate season whatever sports are there besides football, if it's wrestling or whatever it is, that's going to overlap. And then practice is going to start for spring and April, and they're going to start games either late April or May. I like, I think we can say, I like to think that spring is pretty safe because we found out we can play outdoors. But again, if we, if a vaccine is here by then we should be okay. But again, you can't take anything for granted. So. No, you, you can't. And that, that turnaround from spring to, uh, from, the winter to the spring is quick anyway. Uh, and this year, with a, if they're trying to get that football season in, um, which is going to be very difficult to do uh, with weather and everything else, um, man, I don't know. But I, I know that you're dying not being able to get to some holiday basketball tournaments this year. That's like, yeah. yeah I but, am. Yeah, but I mean, it's your it favorite is, season, right? Bas- it, boys it basketball is. Season. It is. But I was not realistic. I was realistic in the fact that it was going to be different. And uh, so I'm not surprised. And it gives us time to, you know, spend time with the family. And, and again, we're kind of used to it based on what we went through in the March through what, June? I mean, I don't, July, Some August bad. was the same. <laughs> and it's September. So what's that? Whatever it was. I mean, it felt yeah, like. So, uh, yeah. Do I want to, yeah, of course I want to see basketball, but yeah. Like being indoors and covering basketball is not safe right now. So, no, it's not. And I, and, they kind of took that off. I mean, like, I would have felt uncomfortable going to gyms right now. Um, I mean, frankly, it's always a little uncomfortable, to, even during flu season, to go into those gyms and be around a lot of high school kids. Um, all right, let's get back to soccer. Let's talk a little more about soccer. Um, in the SWC, uh, with the boys, uh, we had Weston and Newtown, uh, both winning championships there. Um, Xavier won, like you mentioned, I think you mentioned in the, in the SEC. 
Um, and then the FCAC, uh, I don't, they had a tie in the Wilton McMahon game and then the Greenwich West Hill final didn't play because West Hill had to shut down. And uh, oh, the one I didn't cover was Ludlow. Ludlow defeated Prep, but that was an excellent soccer game. Uh, Ludlow was another team that was really, really good this year, would have made a, a run in the double L's. Uh, but I want to say, looking forward to next year, Fairfield Prep is going to be really good. That's the and team. They'll be back in the SEC. They'll be back in the SEC. Yeah, their one year in the FCAC is over, uh, you would think. But I'm going to put a circle around Fairfield Prep as they're going to be a top five team next year, I think. They, they were really, really solid, uh, but just young. And they faced the team in. Um, in Ludlow, that's really senior-driven. Uh, they obviously had the really good junior, uh, James Radman, but Kalen Crawford, the, uh, the midfielder for Ludlow, was excellent. And it was so good to be in a game, and the kids were really fired up, and there was no you know, just a couple parents there, not a lot of fans, but uh, to be at Rafferty Stadium again was nice and seemed like a, a meaningful soccer game. And really nice. and like, I was really, really happy that night to be at, at Rafferty Stadium, which is, by, by the way, one of the best stadiums around. It's a really nice stadium, um, and Obviously, we had a couple of co-champions. We not, Darian had beaten New Canaan, I believe, three times during the year in girls' soccer. Yep. And then New Canaan beat him to the one game you were at, I believe, uh, in the, the final. Yeah, what a crazy game. I mean, Darian was up one nothing, And this is the, this is the girls. Um, right. Darian was up one nothing. New Canaan sent a ball in from like 30, 40 yards out. Kind of hit the wet turf and skip past the goalie to tie it. And then in the second half, um, uh, O'Connell sent in a corner kick. And the goalie goes to punch it out. Nine times out of ten, she punches it over the net. And it's like hit her hand the wrong way and punched it into the net, uh, which I found out was not a known goal. Is it is credited to the girl that kicked the ball. It's just like a deflection off the goalie. Um, but what a bizarre way to, to have your season end for Darien, which hasn't lost a game all year. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. And then – St. Joe's and Trumbull was like one of the better rivalries in girls soccer this year. I mean, they three yeah. regular season games, all two to one scores, St. Joe's winning two of them, Trumbull winning the first one. And then they tie and to, to share the, uh, their division title. And then Richfield and Staples also shared because they couldn't play because of COVID issues. So right. again, it's, it's, again, Richfield Staples, that's a rivalry. It's, and again, they couldn't even play a final. So um, I think they played twice during the year. I think there was two ties. So, if they tie all, they always seem to tie those two programs and then kind of like and in the SC, SWC. Uh, I, I know we've kind of joked about this, um, but Notre Dame Weston had a really played a really great game and they beat Notre Dame of Fairfield uh, two to nothing. And the reason I'm talking about joking is I, I, I Unfortunately, I never got to see Tony Domingo score a goal in four games I covered her. <laughs> he finished her career with 108 goals. He's going to Maryland, but obviously Weston was able to score twice uh, a freshman, scoring both goals in the second half. And, you know, you just put pressure on yourselves to um, to obviously um, <laughs> to obviously win. I can't even remember who won the other division. I think it was either New Milford or Newtown. I can't remember. I think it was uh, – I forget who it was, to be honest with you. Newtown, I, uh, New Milford. Yeah. Oh, it, was new, it, was new, it was new milk for sorry. Pete. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. I'm doing it off the top of my head. And yeah, they won two to nothing as well. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a, it was it was crazy. And then and obviously CCC, they had a couple of regional champions. Glastonbury Southington 
finished undefeated, won their regions, didn't play each other. Um, and then the ECC just had a struggle to get through. So it was just, again, a crazy year. We were finished. And again, the kudos ECC, to all those champions. So the ECC had it really hard this fall. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, really did. They had schools shut down for months, multiple schools shut down for months. Yeah. Uh, credit to them for getting any games in at all because, you know, New London and those towns out there had a really hard time uh, with this. And they were kind of seeing the, the first flare ups this fall, uh, kind of what it looks like everywhere now. That was happening out there first. Um, and right. look, I want to say credit, not just the ECC, but everywhere coaches, players, but the athletic directors, man, what a job they did this this fall because the pressure on them <clears throat> must have been absolutely immense. Like so many things you have to deal with just to get kids on a practice field. And then the, like the normal job they have to do, and then you have to worry about COVID and everything else. And if your kid is quarantined, they can't be at this game, they can't be at that game. Your coach can't be at a game. Like the New Canaan girls coach wasn't there. They were missing three players from the final, but yep. Like the athletic directors this fall, I will give all of them so much credit. I mean, what a job they did just to get this season in. And, and then obviously credit goes to the kids and the coaches too for doing the right things off the field to get their season in. Well, and the things that we don't even talk about is when you're dealing with the buses and, you, and you're dealing with officials. So so when games are canceled on a, on a second's notice or a day's notice, you got to notify officials and Man, we haven't even got into it with the, that. It goes with JV or freshmen if games were even played or canceled, and do they have them on certain days? And that's just, yeah, they they deserve a lot of credit because there's a lot of work that goes into it that we don't people don't even realize. And obviously, they had to deal with they had to deal with their fan policy. I mean, yeah. it was not easy for people and those who had to make a decision when who goes and who doesn't. Or we can can't go see them on the road. I mean, how many games I've been was at the, over the last week, where fans were standing on the outs as close as you can to the, you couldn't be on school grounds, but you could be stand here, along a, a busy street, so you can see, because you wanted to see your kid play in in the game. So, so that's not easy. I mean, they they, they didn't the, the athletic directors couldn't allow visiting fans in uh, the only time i saw visiting, yeah the only time i saw visiting fans was darian allowed new canaan senior parents come to that last game so the only fans that were there were the parents of seniors on darian the parents of seniors on new canaan it was their last they knew it was their last game so they let everyone in the funny thing was when i was at rafferty and i don't know if it was uh you know fairfield u students or fairfield prep students but they have campus security there and they kept being like kids uh, that hill kind of goes up and there's dorms up there yeah kids were like coming down to the woods there was constantly the whole game i was looking across the field there was like security chasing kids out of the woods chasing kids out of that road up on the top like i don't know if it was prep kids trying to watch the game or just college kids who were like oh there's a game let's pop over and watch it but like the entire game they were chasing kids chasing kids out of the, not letting them watch the game and these kids you know just wanted to watch their friends play but Obviously, you couldn't do that this year. Even in a place like Rafferty, we can space out a little bit. Um, I think they they did allow Ludlow Ludlow parents in there too. There was Ludlow parents and and prep parents at the game. But again, that's the last game of the year. Seniors, it's tough not to go to those kids play. Man, I can't even imagine that. No, uh, thinking about not being able to see a kid play. I, I think that's senior. really I mean, difficult. It's, it's again, but again, you have to make decisions and you have to live by them. And 
You well, can't the adjust. Yeah, you can't adjust every time somebody wants something. And I'm sure they listen. I am. I we both heard stories about parents showing up at games and having to be turned away. I'm sure. I mean, or just can't come in, or not with masks, or or it's just you know. I I mean, everybody says, "Oh, let the kids play. Let my kid play. Let's do this. Let's rally at the Capitol for football." But okay, so what are you going to do when they don't let you in? You're going to go pay the fee and go watch on NFHS because that's going to be the decision for the winter season. You're not going to have packed stands no matter what we have. So how how many are you going to have to? I've already been told I mean, people have to make decisions. One parent, so somebody's going to not going to be able to see their kid play. How are you going to do that over however many home games? That's these are not easy decisions, but they're not also not easy in the athletic director who wants to do with all the BS of parents who've given them hell. And it, it, I, well, I understand it. If it's not their fault, they have to do what they think and keep people safe who are working the games, people who see people safe or the kids safe, especially now. So I think everybody's going to have to adjust, including us. I mean, we have to, we have, I, I, I forgot the last game I covered, but they let me in, thank God. But we had to at least call ahead or let people know that we were coming. Right. And you can't assume that you're going to be, I mean, it's nice that they let us in, but they don't have to. No, no one has to let us so in. It's, Again, a lot of people deserve a lot of credit, and I think superintendents too, because they could have kiboshed the entire season, and I'm sure a couple of times, a couple did because of obviously for obvious COVID reasons. But again, we got through it. Let's hope we have a winter season, and uh, everybody stays safe. That's the important thing. The winter season is always the best for crowds. Like you, you, basketball games, hockey games draw the best crowds, other than like really big football games. Sure. It's loud. It's exciting in there. And this year, you're right. It's going to be one parent at best per kid. Maybe uh, two. You might get two. Maybe, but they're not gonna but these places are small. In. I mean, these are small gyms sometimes and small ice rinks, you know, that don't have a ton of capacity anyway. I mean, I know what my kids youth hockey already. They only allow one of us to go every week uh, and well, go in there to watch. And the other thing is you're going to have the guys who, like me, like who, who loves basketball, who just go to the best oh. game on the schedule. Yeah, in the area on a Friday night, and you're not going to be able to do that. And oh, I, a, a lot of guys that, uh, a lot of guys and women, I mean, they, they want to just go see high school basketball. They can't do that game this year. And like you said, yeah, they just pick the best game in the in the area and and go there and watch. But for one year, you're going to have to adjust just so we can. If your goal is to get the kids to play, you might not be able to sit there in the gym and watch them play. It sucks, but well, let's just hope we get to that point. We have those decisions. Exactly. Uh, and January 19th, we'll see where we're at. Uh, hopefully, uh, Joe's boys basketball and my girls basketball podcasts uh, will be back. Um, Joe and I are both uh, in the process of finishing up our all-state teams. Those will be on GameTimeCT.com next week. At some point, we'll be releasing uh, soccer, field hockey, uh, cross-country, swimming, volleyball, all the fall sports. We're doing all-state teams. Um, I-, I know... On the boys' side, I'm sure Joe had the same problem on the girls' side. Probably the most difficult year to ever pick an all-state team yep. without teams playing full schedules and without teams playing state tournaments. Because uh, some kids, you, you play schedules that aren't great, and you might have, like, 15 goals, and you kind of had to weigh that. I mean, I don't know how you found it on the girls' side, but with the boys, I've never gone through more schedules and looked at scores and who teams were playing and who their opponents were 
at all. I mean, you just, I had to look at that so much this year because you get a kid who's from a school that just, sorry, but just didn't play anyone good and had, you know, 15 goals, but then a kid maybe had five goals but played in a really tough conference, you know, against really good teams every year. Well, th- th- there's no exact science to doing this anyway, Scott. Having no, it's not. All area, all state, and it's just you just got to go feel what you think is the 12 best and let the chips fall. It's just the way it yes. is because, again, these all leagues are picking more kids. I'm sure the all coaches all state may pick more kids, and we're keeping our – I mean, we're doing honorable mention, but we're keeping our teams to the same, you know, first team 12, second team 12, so – well, and looking at those all-conference teams was was almost useless this year because, like you said, every region had their own team. So, like, the FCAC had, like, four all-FCAC teams or whatever. I mean, each region. The other conferences probably did that, too. So, so many kids are on that list. Yeah. Well, we used to get complaints, right? So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about the complaints. No, no, no. We used to get complaints. No, no. We used to get complaints. Yeah. No complain either way, so. Uh, before we go, because I know we're wrapping up, um, I want to say thank you to Pete Paguaga. I mean, for three years, he's dealt with us and sat there and had minimal to say, thank God. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he's done our broadcast, our podcast, excuse me, for three years. And uh, we want to say thank you to him and happy Thanksgiving to him for sitting there and tolerating us and uh, doing a good job by us. Too. And I want to see how long Pete's beard's going to be by January 19th. I mean, I, I assume he's not going to cut it. Pete, what do you think? Oh, no, we're definitely letting it grow. And thank you for oh, the yeah. kind words, guys. I really appreciate it. I want you to be like Viking Pete when you come back. <laughs> I mean, it's already it's already pretty long, but I mean, I want that thing like serious. Like, what was that guy's name on Game of Thrones? The, the redheaded guy? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> well, Scott, and kudos to you for again doing a hello every week and <laughs> Coming up with new material, and you know what? It's it's been fun. I'm happy we got through it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Stay safe. Be well. Yeah, and thanks to Joe for doing this, and Pete. Uh, we had we had a lot of fun doing this, and we're so happy that we even got to do it at all. And you know, we were talking in September. Are we gonna are we gonna be here in November doing this one? But we did. We made it all the way. Uh, so for Joe and Scott, we will see you next year on Just for Kicks. <laughs>